when they're playing capture the heart and she referred to her as the queen and the other team as the gestures, not jesters, gestures. I don't know. Maybe it's a blessing I wasn't on this season because if I were, Victoria would be missing. She would have mysteriously gone missing and and I would be singing Nobody No Crime by Taylor Swift and I'd be saying they think I did it, but they just can't prove it. Hey, Emily. Hi, Kayla. Your voice gets higher every week. You sound like you're doing a Mickey Mouse impression, but like, I love it. <laughs> I'm trying to shatter a glass eventually. Like one week I'll say it and you'll just hear like, Kring! and like my windows will be, will be completely shattered. Perfect. I turned off Bridgerton for this shit. So the sacrifices we make, honestly, I was sober yet again, a sober watch of the bachelor. I respect you. I pray for you. I can't wait until three weeks from now when you don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> so anyway, we we kick it off with basically a Peloton ad. And then of course we get the coveted B-roll of The Bachelor in the shower, which we we had all these things on bingo last week and we didn't get any of them last week. And we got so many of them this week. I was like, damn, we really missed the the mark on that. Uh, we got a lot of um, the journey. We got a lot of my wife is in this room this week, all of which would have been crucial on bingo last week. Uh, no, I'm not here to make friends. Like we had so much content and it's okay. Second episode is good enough. It's good enough in my heart. So then we pan over the Nima colon and these girls are at like the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. Like the guys on The Bachelorette got fucked. And to make matters worse, they said, Ivan, here's a trailer for your fantasy suite. <laughs> I've been sitting in an ice bath and then you sleep in a trailer tonight. So we kick off the date with Chris Harrison walking in to talk to the girls and they all freak out when they see Chris Harrison, which same, but all it reminded me of when, because there's still like fucking 25 girls here. So when they talk all at once, it's truly horrifying. And all it reminded me of was the gates of hell sorority video. And I can make fun of it because it was my sorority, like not my chapter, but my sorority. They're like, we've been waiting all summer long. Like that is what the girls sounded like talking to Chris Harrison. There's going to be a lot of sorority talk on this episode. So buckle up. It's not us. It's them. I mean, that's essentially what every season of The Bachelor is like. To be fair. And here we sit. Here we sit. Brie gets the first one-on-one. It's basically the first thing to happen in the episode. So if y'all don't remember, because they all kind of have the same sounding names. Actually, there's more diverse names on this season than there have been in the past. There's not like six Laurens. But Brie gets the first one-on-one. They go on ATVs in the mud. This is where they lost me. This is where I would have preferred the La Quinta being in the pool, walking around in a cardboard taxi. Um, they were like, we're going to go on an ATV in the mud. After she puts on like a cute outfit, like I would have been pissed if I like brought a nice outfit for my one-on-one on The Bachelor and it got mud stained, but it was cute. They rode around on ATVs in the woods. She was having fun. Like she hops on the back of his ATV and he literally starts like doing donuts in the mud and then is like shocked when it flips, even though he's on slippery ass mud. So the ATV flips they fall, big funny haha. And then in his little one-on-one looks at the camera and he's like, Bree's mom is going to kill me. Miss Bree's mom, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like that was funny. It was funny. It was a very classic like man does thing that obviously is going to end badly. And then when it ends badly, he's like, what? 
how did this end badly? <laughs> so they do the ATV thing and then they do one of my favorite bachelor isms. It happens all the time on this show and I love it every time where they just stick a hot tub where it doesn't belong in the middle of like a field or the desert or the woods. And this time it's in the middle of a field and we get some nice B-roll, I guess, not even B-roll, A-roll of uh, Matt taking his shirt off before he's getting into the hot tub. He didn't have any reason to take his shirt off, but he just took it off so we could see his abs while he cut firewood to warm the hot tub. And Brie was very, very taken by the display. And in her defense, so was I. Very gorgeous, honestly. But the Bachelor producers really would put a hot tub anywhere. I mean, if they could put it on a, on a Ferris wheel, they would put it on a Ferris wheel. And it's perfect because they did this even before they were restricted by location. Like they were doing this when the show was normal. And now that they're restricted because they can't leave, I guarantee that we're going to see at least six more hot tubs in the middle of that field this season because there's nothing else to do. Oh yeah, they they were using hot tubs back in season 13. I mean, they that is their classic move and they're going to stick to it, especially now. They're like, we can't do anything else. You can either hang out in your room or have a hot tub. I think it was Peter Weber's season, but it might've been Colton's. I don't know. They were both bad. So they blend, but they put a hot tub like on the top of a mountain. Makes no goddamn sense, but happy for them. And what I wrote about the hot tub conversation, it was very sweet. They had very genuine conversation. But what I wrote about the hot tub conversation is I think those are the moments where it becomes the most clear that Matt has never been on the show before because he doesn't speak in like the normal like bachelor platitudes like he still says some of them but like not nearly as like canned as I think previous leads have been so yeah they were cute Brie is stunning all around cute date before we cut to the dinner portion we cut back to the girls at the Nima colon Victoria's horrible she is absolutely horrible. We talked last episode about how offended I am that Victoria was chosen and not me. I'm livid. She's so awful. She's so clearly a producer pick. Like we'll touch on it later, obviously when she actually does interact with Matt, but he's very clearly like not, like he doesn't care about her. her he's yeah. not that into her, but here she is like stomping around. And like I said, like it, she just came in to make enemies. She came in to cause a scene. This was her intention. And wow, is she doing it? Usually some of the girls who are quote villains have like one or two friends in the house that are their friends. Yeah, Victoria literally has no one. No one likes her. She's making it clear she doesn't like anybody. She reminds me of like every negative girl I ever worked a retail shift with in college who just like wants to stand around and talk about how they hate everything and everyone. Like it's just such, she's, absolutely awful she's like a classic girl who will be like I just never got along with women like I just get along better with men that is so her oh my god she is so the obnoxious type who would be like I just don't get along with women and and in this case like again Kayla and I haven't been on the show sadly against my will but even <laughs> so like we don't understand you know, the complication of it, but all of the other women seemingly are like vibing and they say it to her. Yeah. They're like, we're just trying to enjoy our time. Obviously it sucks. We didn't get the one-on-one. -on -one. Obviously we're upset, but we're not going to sit here and be negative and talk shit on each other. Victoria treats it like Brie gave herself the first one-on-one. -on -one. Like obviously if he wanted you on the date, he would have picked you, bitch. But they're like, we're all a little jealous, but it's okay. And she's like, well, I'm not jealous. And it's like, you're obviously fucking jealous, dude. It's like day two. It's the day after night one. 
And she's like, I can't believe I didn't get it. And I'm like, bitch, there's going to be like 10 more one-on-ones. Chill out. Anyway, we cut back to the dinner portion between Brie and Matt. They have a very heartfelt conversation where Brie kind of talks about being from a broken family, being raised by a single mom. A lot of the show exists in a universe that I think exists outside of reality, but the conversation that they have like touched me very personally because it like it touched on something about myself that I I don't think I've ever been able to put into words the way that they both did about like coming from broken families and gravitating toward friends with healthy families and like partners with healthy families. She didn't try to make her story overly a sob story because realistically she has the experience that a lot of people have and I think sometimes on the show girls or or the guy contestants too try to make their normal experiences more of a sob story to make themselves more interesting for television and I like that Brie just kind of expressed who she is the background that she came from and obviously like she came from a broken family and I'm not discrediting that but she didn't try to make it seem like it was this huge sob story. You know what I mean? Brie ends up getting the rose, which makes total sense because they had a perfectly lovely date and nice time. So it's like week one. Like if you fumble the ball on week one, like, I I don't know what to tell you. You had a, you had a horrible date. If you don't get a rose on week one, I I don't know what to say. So then they have a fireworks show happening at the Nima colon. And in one of the best editing maneuvers, one of the girls says they're probably making out. And then it immediately cuts to Matt and Brie making out in front of the fireworks chef's kiss. I mean, they really couldn't have done any better. And all the girls are doing their, Oh, you know, I wish I was there. And then Victoria's like, how do girls are so bitchy? They're all complaining. Me, me, me. While she's complaining. This week, we are highlighting my friend Abby Callery and her amazing art. She does all different types of commissions. For Christmas, I gave Kayla a pouch that Abby hand-painted that said, Don't Insult My Intelligence, has our logo on it. It's literally a perfect replica. She's an amazing, amazing painter. She does greeting cards for all different seasons. She's doing Valentine's cards. She does tons of commissions. So anything you may need, any of your artistic, personalized needs, go check her out on Instagram at artcallery. So then we go to the group date. The card gets read for all the names on the group date. And there are 18 girls on it, which is a lot of fucking people on a group date. And all the girls make it very clear that they know that that's a lot of people to be on a group date and they're feeling very pressured by it. So the group date is one that we've seen. I mean, like literally this exact date was on Nick Vile season, but basically all the girls have to pick wedding dresses and then they pose in their wedding dresses for pictures with Matt. It's uncomfortable as always. We talked about it last season. The wedding photo shoots have to stop. I will start a petition. Stop the wedding photo shoots on The Bachelor. It is a weird date to do, especially as a group date. And week one. It always becomes, whether it's The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, it always becomes the competition of who's going to make out with the person, who's going to make it like the most flirty, the most salacious. Ah, It's so gross. Just let them play go-karts and go home. Let them have their silly little date and then go to bed. Make them play dodgeball, you know? Let them eat cake. Who's Who cares? I don't need to see them in wedding dresses until they are engaged 
on the show. And then once again, just like the question that we had about Zach C and Tasha's wedding picture date, why the fuck do the pictures look this bad? We brought in a professional photographer. And this is a recent trend because, I mean, Peter had that photo shoot date with the girls and the pictures look beautiful. It was on the cover of Cosmo. Like, why are these pictures so bad? And I understand we're in a global pandemic, resources are limited, but like any producer with an iPhone would have taken better pictures than this photographer took. Once again, me with my iPhone 10, I could have done better. I have portrait mode. Have you seen the shit these phones can do these days? This is bonkers. You have a professional camera. Get your act together. Schmidt just popped out a little, little bit. bit. For that she, yeah, he really, he did come out. He really did come out. So then Victoria obviously can't help but interrupt what's going on. She was not called next. Someone's name had fully been called to go next. And she just walked forward and said, the royal wedding. Thus begins my first real grievance with Victoria of the episode, other than just her being awful. Now, here on this podcast, we are women who support other women. I do not want to knock any woman's appearance because I think that's tacky and below the belt. That being said, if you are going on national television, pack more than one bra and one of them needs to be strapless. That's the first thing. And the second thing, why the fuck did she not wash her hair before this date? It looked so stringy and greasy and bad. I was like, homegirl, dry shampoo. Like she just looked not put together. It was just distracting and bad. It's disrespectful to herself. Like it's not even, I'm not speaking for the men in the audience. I don't give a fuck about them. You're putting yourself out there and you couldn't even invest in sticky boobs. I mean, we've all worn the chicken cutlets on our breastuses when we didn't want to because we didn't want the back of our bra to show. We've all done it. I'm not saying I like it. I'm not saying everyone has to do it. I'm just saying. It just looked sloppy and messy and I didn't like it. And I was honestly more offended by the lack of dry shampoo. And that's how you know that she doesn't have friends in the house because so often you hear about on this show, like, girls who come off that are like, oh yeah, we borrowed each other's clothes all the time. We borrowed each other's curling irons. We borrowed each other's hairspray. Like like MJ is a hairdresser. She could have done your hair, babe. I don't mean to like drag her appearance because I know that's low, but it's just not, if you're going to be on national television that has millions of viewers every week, like get it together. For yourself. One of the things I hate about the show is like the, the like beauty norms and the standards that the contestants have. But that being said- do the best you can. I mean, I'm not talking about the standard of like, you have to look a certain way, but put yourself together. Then after all the photos are done, they decide to play. Well, Chris Harrison comes in and tells them that they're being forced to play capture the heart, which is basically capture the flag. But for some reason with paint in wedding dresses and messier, half the team is going to advance to the night portion of the date with Matt. And half the team is going to go back to the Nemo colon. Basically the weird thing about this was there were a lot of cuts of Victoria at this point, like holding hands with other women being like, my team is full of Queens. And you're like, so what, like, like it seems like she was trying to put on the good girl facade like look I have friends when she was in front of Matt when she was in front of Chris because when she's alone in the house she doesn't give a fuck but when they're walking down the hill towards Matt she's like holding hands with another girl trying to help her down the hill it just seemed very off which they always do this and a lot of it is cutting I mean as much as we can shit on Victoria I'm sure they're also not cutting in her favor they're not editing her 
nicely yeah it was a weird moment because you see her actually like trying to uplift other women and then but you're like okay are you just doing this to show matt i I know that's fake yeah i think something that happens a lot too in terms of people like victoria who are so egregious to watch it's she reminds me of um tiara from sean low season just being like such a monster but the thing is that when they're in front of the lead, they don't act like that. Like tonight we were watching the episode and my roommate was watching with me and she was being like talking to when it was when she was talking to Matt, talking about how she gets insecure and all this stuff. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, I love your personality. I think you got a great personality. My roommate was like, oh my God, I can't believe he's saying he likes her personality. I'm like, but this is the thing. He only sees what she presents to him. And a lot of the time with leads, like they have no idea what, was actually going on until they watch it back with the rest of us. So I guarantee Matt was probably unaware of just how horrible she is. I don't think he's into her, but I don't think he sees the side of her that we see, obviously, because they cut and and she's not going to be the side that we see to Matt because she allegedly wants to marry Matt if that's what she's here for, whatever. Lauren gets the group date, Rose. She's all excited about it. They have a conversation about how the most important thing to her and a partner is finding a man of faith. She attributes the success of her parents' marriage to the fact that they are both so rooted in their faith. That's really important to her. And then her and Matt have a very open conversation about their Christianity, which as a not religious person, I actually really appreciated listening to how Matt said that, you know, when he first starts dating people, he typically doesn't lead with the fact that he's a Christian because it does get stigmatized. So that was a nice conversation. And she does end up getting the group date Rose and Victoria is just absolutely shocked. She's always shocked. She was shocked. She was on the the group date because she thought maybe she'd get the one-on-one. Like it couldn't be more clear that he doesn't really like her. And she's a producer pick. I mean, in their wedding photos, he's standing there like just pissed. Anyway. So then Sarah gets the second one-on-one in her like little intro package to the season. She was the one that talked about her father having Lou Gehrig's disease. Her date is super fucking cool. Scared the shit out of me. I would be terrified, but they get into a biplane. Sarah jokes that it looks like the first plane ever invented and it kind of did. The Wright brothers straight up like made this plane for this date. They called the Wright brothers and they were like, we got it. Don't even worry. They can only get Z-list country singers, but they resurrected the Wright brothers from the dead to build this plane. Do they keep forgetting he's not a pilot? They keep showing clips of him in planes. They're like, we just loved the shtick of last season. (laughs) I just want them to play on the wings of love. Like, they did for pilot pete like they they did for who was the other one jake jake was a pilot they always do this and i think that they want every bachelor to be a pilot like just make that your brand then call it the pilot instead of the bachelor i'm not in charge they don't pay me the big bucks to make the decisions so they're in a plane as they always are they're in the biplane we don't really get much conversation in the biplane because we can't hear them because the plane is open so then the plane lands and they go walk into the middle of the woods where there's a cozy little fire set up and they sit by the fire and he's asking her questions about her family and you can tell when he arrives at the subject of her dad that she's struggling over whether or not this is the time to bring it up we as the audience know that her dad has als Matt does not know that yet. So Matt in his little one-on-one says that he can tell that Sarah is struggling with something. What Sarah said was very real when she was talking to the camera and she was like, 
I'm very close with my dad and like his illness is obviously very personal to us. And it's a weird thing to just like put out in the open on a first date. And she's right. Like that is a very weird thing to talk about on a first date, but the bachelor just kind of has this weird expedited timeline where if you don't talk about it on the first date, then the bachelor's like, she's holding back. Right. And then suddenly you're not getting engaged. They just expect you to lay out every trauma you've ever been through, like literally on the first date, because you're not going to get another one-on-one if you can't talk about all your trauma. Like if you get the first one-on-one, it's, it's a blessing, but it's also a curse because you have to put a lot on the line after meeting someone like four days ago. That's like a stark contrast between my relationships and The Bachelor. Like all of my ex-boyfriends are like, we've been dating for two years. Stop talking about your trauma. And The Bachelor is like, I know this is our first date. Talk about your trauma. What a gift. Are you kidding me? If I was on a first date with someone and they were like, tell me everything that fucked you up from childhood. I'd be like, where do you want me to start? As a chronic oversharer, like I belong on this show. I am a chronic oversharer. Every time I go on a first date, I'm like, yeah, do you want to hear about why I started therapy? And they're like, not really. I just kind of wanted to hear about your favorite book, but I guess we could go into that. Like, I do this shit all the time. I would thrive. It wouldn't even be The Bachelor. I would just be projecting onto anyone I could get. The other contestants, I'd be like, do you want to hear about it? They're like, no, I just want to go curl my hair. Bye. (laughs) Just you sitting with Wells in paradise. (laughs) From your mouth to God's ears, Kayla. From your mouth to God's ears. (laughs) So the dinner, she struggles to talk about her dad, but she does. And she does share that her dad has ALS and she talks about the closeness of their relationship and how she quit her job to come home and help take care of her dad. In Matt's little in the moment interview, he talks about how he can't think of a more selfless act than someone kind of in the the peak of their career, kind of starting quitting to come home and take care of their dad. And he talks about how that's indicative that that would make her a really nurturing and caring partner. And normally cheesy stuff like that, I don't like when they say, but usually I don't like it because it's followed by them being like, she jumped in shark infested waters for me. So I know she'd be a great partner. Like this was a reasonable thing to say it about. She quit her job to come and take care of her dad who has Lou Gehrig's disease. She'd be a great partner. Like that makes sense. Yes, it's so different from the other contestants. We're like, she jumped out of a plane and now I know she could be my wife. What does that even mean? Correlation ABZ, dude, that doesn't even track. And we really like Sarah. She is literally Alexis Rose from Schitt's Creek. She looks just like her. Yeah. She is beautiful and she's sweet and she is great. She's a, she's a fan. She's a fan favorite already. And they were giving her hardcore, that front runner music like behind when she was talking, they were giving her the like romantic swelling music as she was talking. So even if Sarah doesn't win, she goes far. He gives her the rose because can you imagine if that all happened and he was like, I don't think I feel it. It it would have been very bizarre again because it's week one, but also because they had a beautiful date. It would have been so bizarre if she hadn't gotten the date, the rose. So she gets the rose and the next thing that happens is the cocktail party, which takes up about the last 45 minutes of the episode for no goddamn reason. The biggest note that I wrote for the cocktail party is just what in the ever-loving fuck is Victoria wearing? It is egregious. Honestly, I made fun of Kit's night one outfit, but this took the cake. People wear dresses on this show all the time that aren't like particularly my style, but I don't say anything about it. It's not that the dress wasn't my style. It's not anybody's style. I don't understand. Serena C was wearing a full jacket with sparkle boots, thigh-high sparkle boots, which I wouldn't wear because I'm not bold enough but, but she looks sickening fucking oh I mean I was gagged when I saw her I was like she's 
killing and it. And we hardly saw her. We har- Dude, where was her screen time? That's like a different story for a different day. But truly, I was like, some people wear things on this show that maybe I wouldn't necessarily pull off, but I'm not like, oh, that's egregious. This dress was egregious. But then uh, we see Abigail meet with Matt. And in case anyone has forgotten, Abigail was the contestant that got the first impression rose last week. We see them meet for the first time this episode and they're super cute. It's always interesting people who get the first impression rose because they really do have, they don't have to worry really for a while because clearly they made enough of an impression on the lead. So Abigail doesn't seem too concerned that she didn't get a lot of time with him this week, but they talk about like developing like if they both like scratch their ear it's like a little signal whatever so very cute and then Marilyn goes to talk to him and Marilyn did not get any date this week she wasn't on the group date she didn't get a one-on-one so she's very nervous going to talk to Matt because understandably she thinks she's going home because she got no time with him which is when Matt pulls, he says, oh, on night one, you told me your favorite flower was an orchid, right? And he pulls out a little orchid in a vase to give to her, which was so sweet. So cute, especially like we haven't seen a lot of Marilyn. So it's nice. I really like when that happens, when it's someone you haven't seen a lot of, but he like, he definitely has a connection with. So he pulled out the orchid and we were like, oh, they do have like a really nice connection. That's so great. Cause we hadn't seen her this episode really. I feel like on The Bachelor, when The the Bachelor or Bachelorette is like, just because you weren't on the date doesn't mean I wasn't thinking about you. It's like the equivalent of in high school when they're like, just because you didn't get a callback doesn't mean you won't be cast. <laughs> like, typically it means the same thing. Like, if you didn't end up on a date, you're probably going home. If you didn't get a callback, you're probably in the ensemble. Like, it's the same deal. High school theater and The Bachelor are the same realm. That being said, this is the exception. Because she wasn't on a date and he he does clearly have a connection with her. So she is the exception. She's a sweetie pie. We don't know a lot about her, but she's very cute. The only thing we've seen, we saw a little bit earlier in the episode, Victoria being like, I have to move out of Marilyn's room. And we're like, what the fuck did she do? <laughs> right. So basically earlier in the episode, we saw Victoria be a monster. Marilyn wasn't mean to her. She just wasn't putting up with her being a monster. Like she kind of spoke back. And then Victoria made this giant scene. I guess they were roommates at the Nema colon. Even though the Nema colon seems massive, I feel like they don't need roommates. But we see Victoria go back up to her room and pack her suitcase and say that she is sleeping on the couch because she doesn't like Marilyn. So that is what we saw earlier in the episode. Flash forward to the cocktail party. Victoria decides to take it upon herself to tell Matt that Marilyn is toxic and that she is like bullying Victoria. I don't think she uses the word bullying, but that's basically what she's saying because Victoria makes this giant scene about the fact that she quote, had to move out of her room and had to sleep on the couch. Even though this was very clearly a decision that Victoria made uninfluenced. Yeah, I mean, we fully saw her make the decision. She was like, I have to, I can't live with Marilyn anymore. I can't do it. And we're like, okay, what did, what, what are we? what am I watching? And then flash forward, she's suddenly like, she bullied me. She's mean. She doesn't give any substance. She doesn't give any instances. She doesn't give examples. She doesn't cite her sources, but here we are. Victoria's lying. Who's surprised? No one. We've talked about it multiple times on our podcast and a million times every season in general, never snitch to the lead. 
Why do people do this? It only makes you look bad. Nobody who snitches to the lead literally ever wins. Marilyn and Victoria, I like Marilyn. I think she's a cutie pie, but neither Marilyn or Victoria is a front runner. It's literally just loser on loser crime. Like nobody is benefiting this. It's the same that we said with Noah and Bennett. We were like, don't, if you're in seventh place, don't snitch on the eighth place person. You're projecting. It's making you look worse. It always makes the person who tattles look worse when they tattle as opposed to what they think, which is maybe this will give me leverage. Marilyn got an orchid from Matt. It's a very sweet gesture. We swooned. We loved it. We were like, oh, he didn't forget about her. However, that doesn't mean that she's his top choice. That means that he was sweet and he thought of her and and she probably would have gone on the group date if Victoria hadn't had to go because of the producers. So it was just a tacky, it was just a tacky decision on her part. After she rats out Marilyn to Matt, Matt confronts Marilyn about it. Marilyn denies it which Matt takes to mean like, I don't know who to believe because Matt is a nice guy and he's just taking what they're both saying at face value because he has no reason not to. This whole thing was like the most scripted shit I've ever seen on this show. He was like, I must get to the bottom of this. Like he was a hardy boy. It all felt like it was all on a cue card and they were like, Matt, you have to say this or you're not The Bachelor anymore. You know who used to do this? Colton Underwood was the king of acting like he worked for the special victims unit and like storming in and trying to get to the bottom of shit. And it was so fucking annoying. It was with all the Kaylin Hannah drama. I don't even think that this was Matt. I don't even think that he cared. I mean, honestly, again, I said it before and I'll say it again. I don't think he likes Victoria. I truly think this was the producers being like, well, you got to figure it out. What are you going to say? And like him having to be like, I guess I should figure out what's happening. I don't think you care I don't think this drama bothers you at all I think that they're telling you it should bother you I think a he's never been on the show before so he doesn't necessarily I think spot the red flags the way that leads who have been contestants spot the red flags which is both a blessing and a curse but also I think Victoria just straight up is taking advantage of his kindness like she's working off the fact that she knows that he's a nice person. And so if she's like, I had to sleep on the couch, I had to move out. Like, obviously Matt is a nice guy and he's going to feel for her on that because he doesn't know any better not to. And then Marilyn does the adult thing and decides to try to squash it with Victoria because now she's pissed because it's ruined basically the little connection that her and Matt had established tonight. So Marilyn tries to confront it. And it was literally like watching a teacher talk to a child. Marilyn was trying so hard to be kind, even though she was pissed. It was honestly remarkable. Like she handled it beautifully. Every ridiculous fucking thing Victoria said, Marilyn kept being like, your feelings are valid. I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. Like saying all the right things, even though Victoria was saying absolute horse shit. It was just horrible. It was like watching a toddler. Marilyn acknowledged every feeling Victoria had. She was like, you know what? It's a little bit loud. Can I come sit by you? Victoria was like, I don't want to sit next to you. I'm going to sit over here. I don't want to sit next to you. She was so, that was like the most unnecessary bullshit ever. It's a couch, dude. You can sit on opposite ends of the couch, you weirdo. And Victoria, she said, thank you for apologizing. But 
I just feel like it had to be said. I had to start drama, blah, blah, blah. This is my personality. This is why I came on the show. At the end of this confrontation, Victoria says one of her better lines from the show, you and I are just like oil and vinegar, which is not the expression. It's oil and water, uh, oil and vinegar. They're making an excellent salad dressing. She's an idiot. So she's 0 for 2. And then to top it off, my favorite line <laughs> from Victoria of the episode was when she said, I'm an empath. And I said, if you're an empath, I am Mother Teresa. This is the problem I always have with people who say they're an empath, because if you have to say it, chances are you're not. But especially in the case of Victoria, where she said, I'm an empath. And I said, where? Where? Prove it. Show me. And then she goes and tattles on Marilyn. And we're like, okay, so you lied. You're a liar. Usually I can't tell that girls on the show don't receive hair and makeup because all of them always look so like not even, they're all naturally beautiful. Nobody gets on the show and isn't beautiful. So even as I'm about to clock Victoria again, please know that she's beautiful. I'm just clocking her because she has a terrible personality. So I don't feel that bad. But basically every girl who comes on the show does their hair and makeup flawlessly. They've probably practiced for months knowing they were going to be on television and not get hair and makeup. Some of the girls are makeup artists. Like I remember on Peter season, like Kelsey was a makeup artist. And so she would do other girls makeup to make them look better. So I don't care how naturally beautiful you are because Victoria is a very pretty girl. I don't care how naturally beautiful you are. You cannot get in front of studio lights and a camera without under eye concealer. Why in the ever living fuck was she on national television with no concealer, no bronzer, nothing, just a, a thin one coat of mascara. I have so many questions and I get on this show the contestants don't get a lot of sleep people have talked on it like they're like a lot of times the rose ceremonies happen at like four in the morning or whatever but if you're gonna make the point to make yourself the main character come on Serena C is eating your ass up for breakfast and you look like you got a, two black eyes I don't want to mock women's appearances because I would look the same if I didn't wear makeup. Like I would, I would also, I, I look like that right now. It would look totally different if we were at this event in real life with her, we probably wouldn't notice, but studio lighting is so harsh. Like everybody has to wear makeup. The fucking bachelor is wearing makeup. He is a makeup artist. When they come and read the date cards, a lot of times the girls aren't wearing makeup, but it's like, yeah, they're sitting in the house in their pajamas. Like, okay. This is a formal this event. Is, you're showing up to the cocktail party. Like this is your this is your shining moment. Spotlight's on you, babe. Slap on some shape tape like the rest of us. Anyway, so the roses go to Piper, Kit, Maggie, Kayla, Rachel, Abigail, Chelsea, Jasenia, Katie, Serena C. And then we are dramatically interrupted. And thank God it was Sarah because I like her, but we were dramatically interrupted by Sarah feeling like she was gonna pass out. So we don't know who the rest of the roses went to because we had to deal with Sarah who feels lightheaded and like she's going to pass out. And the only reason I feel like this might be somewhat legitimate is because it is Sarah and she doesn't seem like a dramatic person. She already had a rose. So it wasn't like there was no reason for her to be like, oh no, I'm not going to get the rose. Let me like cause a scene Pretend or something. Like she's safe. Like she's fine. And she's a normal person. So 
I wouldn't, I would expect this from Victoria. I would not expect this from Sarah. And then the bachelor does what the bachelor does when they want us to know that something was unplanned. They like shake the camera so that we, so that we know that they didn't plan for this. Like it's so stupid. My prediction for next week is that the final two roses go to Victoria and Marilyn. Agree. And then a hot three episodes from now, we'll get a two on one. Oh God. I can't wait three episodes. She has to go. I would love it if Victoria went home. However, based on the preview we've seen, it does not seem like that is the case. How sad for us. Let us all mourn. Well, it's, I think it's going to be at least another two. Yeah, I would agree. I'm trying to just remain hopeful and be like, there's one more. There's one more. Just get through one more and then it'll be hometowns and she'll be there. Anyway, so that was this week's episode. And now, because it's the end of the episode, we are going to announce the winner of our giveaway. So I'm going to spin the wheel live right now. Our winner is Miss Lauren Bell. Congrats, Lauren. We are so excited for you. You get literally the best shit ever. It's all sitting on my desk right now and I'm jealous and might keep it all for myself. It's actually a very full circle moment for me here because I only started watching The Bachelor because Lauren made me. So this is all very full circle. So congrats, Lauren. Anyway, that's the winner of our first giveaway. It was a really cool giveaway. Thank you to everyone that entered. Our giveaway post kind of popped off on our Instagram. Yes, we appreciate you all so much. We appreciate the small businesses so much. We're going to keep doing small business shout outs. We already had one in this episode. If you have a small business that you are proud of or that you know or that you run, please submit it. You can DM us on Instagram at Don't Insult My Podcast. We would be more than happy to look into it and talk about it here on the podcast. We love supporting small businesses. So anyway, that's all she wrote. So please go on your podcast app of choice and give us a rating and review. Only if it's nice, mean ones will be deleted. So please go on and do that. Make sure that you are subscribed and go follow us on Instagram at Don't Insult My Podcast.